0: Hey there, and welcome to another episode of the Church Collective podcast. I'm Ryan, and um, we wanted to start by just uh, going over a poll that we put up on our Instagram page at the Church Collective just a few days ago. Um, We asked if you were paid to be a part of your church's worship ministry, and it turns out that um, for those of you that answered, 77% of you, um, that's almost 80%, Josh, Mm -hmm. 77% of you, uh, are in fact not paid uh, to be a part of your worship ministry, which I thought was pretty interesting. And yeah, do you have any thoughts, Chris?
1: Yeah, so I think I think that would be pretty accurate, um, seeing as uh, you know most churches have they have the person that's in charge of the ministry that n- normally is paid, not all the time, but a lot of the time. Most I would say most churches I've come across, the person that's in charge of the music ministry has some kind of compensation, but then you have people underneath them. That are, um, that are volunteers. Um, depending on the size of the church, uh, the worship pastor might have a couple paid, um, people and then a whole team of, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50 volunteers. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that, that, that part didn't surprise me because I think our, our audience is a ton of worship leaders and worship musicians and tech team members and creative team members. Um, that are just serving, um, that have a nine to five job, but are serving on the weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, th- I think, you know, some people brought up, is it biblical to get paid? Um, I don't really consider it like a, a theological question. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I just think if, if, if you're a missionary or if you're um, a staff member at a church, to the point where you cannot hold another job because all of your time is um in that position then um getting you know supported is is just a a way to allow you to do that that ministry sure um i know a lot of us could be doing other jobs um and making a lot more money um or even you know maybe came from a previous job making a lot of money and um, it's a big sacrifice to, to be serving in a church and be on staff in a church. Um, so, and on the other hand, I think it's a big sacrifice for people that are working a nine to five job, um, and then serving on the weekend. Um, so, I think God's glorified both ways. Um, but, you know, we, we need, we need volunteers just as much as we need staff members. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. I think when I look back, uh, At a church plant I was at, there was probably five of us on the stage on a weekend, small church, five people on the stage, and I received a stipend for what I did. So that 20% lined up. And if I think about other churches I've been at, churches that have maybe bigger staffs, you still probably have a one in every five people receive some kind of compensation. Um, So I wasn't surprised by that number. But to the biblical point, um, we often say at our church, like, we don't necessarily even get paid to do the the weekend on stage stuff. like That's kind of almost like fun hmm. playtime for us. We fulfill plenty, at least our church, plenty of other roles throughout the week um, that we're paid for. And then uh, we get blessed that we get to be a part of doing the worship ministry on stage on a weekend, just like other volunteers, too. Sure. You know. That's a good thought.
3: Yeah. You know, uh, in the book of Acts, chapter 18, uh, the Apostle Paul got a job as a when support came from another church he was then able to stop making tents and devote himself fully to his ministry and so i think if we think of it in terms of am i supported versus paid um, mm. it helps to understand the context like i've always been called to minister and mm. there have been times where i have ministered and i have had a full time secular job and there have been times where I have been supported and I'm blessed currently to be supported to be the pastor of my church uh, but I'm I'm, I'm not I, I don't look at it as like this is my salary that I'm I'm paid in the same way as I'm supported to do the ministry and if I wasn't supported to do the ministry would I continue to minister in some way and and so for those who are able to be supported either because their church is able to afford it or because it's necessary for the work of the ministry, Uh, Then then awesome. Um, But I do think we have to kind of talk about like the dynamics of church staffing is changing. And it was for a time, you know, you had a pastor and then your second hire in a church would often be a a slashy youth pastor slash worship leader or uh, some sign of something slash worship leader. And that is changing a bit. Uh, a lot of the lead pastors that I talk to, their first hire might be a children's ministry director now, um, or, or it might be something else, and it might be a worship pastor. But but that idea of if our goal is I'm going to lead worship and then my church will eventually pay me, uh, we might end up being very disappointed, especially as, as the landscape changes. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I think a lot of churches, um, well, smaller churches in general, their term worship leader is different than the term worship leader in maybe bigger churches. Um, in a smaller church, the worship leader is the person in charge of the entire ministry. Yeah. Um, in a bigger church, a worship leader just might simply be a vocalist that leads worship on a Sunday. Yeah. Um, you know, so I think um, there's a lot of people probably in ministry right now that their title is worship leader, but they're really a worship pastor yeah and and um i think when they when they either when their church realizes that or when they realize that um it can kind of transform how they um operate you know because when you think of yourself as a worship pastor then you're thinking of pouring into people you know you're you're taking the spotlight off yourself um and and kind of raising up team around you um and there's a there's a freedom in that as opposed to somebody being the the only person and you know that person might not have had a vacation in 4 years you know yeah. because they have to be there every weekend true uh, i feel for those people
3: that's hard yeah and this yeah. this is adam by the way and i'm i'm a lead pastor and i was talking to a, one of our ministry leaders not a worship ministry and they were telling me how much time and effort they were putting in and i appreciated it it was also way more, you know, four hmm. to five hours more per week than we were asking of them. Right. And so I, I do think that there is some um, reasonableness to say, like, if I'm not supported financially uh, to do the ministry, then I have to be really reasonable with my, my time, not, not saying, like, oh, I'm not supported, so I'm only going to put in the bare minimum effort. But I think sometimes there's burnout that doesn't need to happen. If I'm expected uh, as a volunteer ministry leader, you know what, I'm expected to uh, plan the rehearsal and I'm expected to lead worship on Sunday morning, then um, starting a, a third event or a fifth event in some cases, it's probably the wrong use of your time. And then it's not a surprise that that worship leader gets burnt out and bitter because they're not being uh, paid. And it's like, well, nobody asked you to do those fourth or fifth events. That was your choice. Yeah, you know, we we we've, we've asked you to do something that's reasonable to a volunteer or somebody who's stipended. Yeah, that's great.
2: Do you think that that expectation? I don't know if expectation is the right word, but do you think that that realistic outcome changes depending on the season someone's in? Like, for example, if you have a twenty-two-year-old fresh out of college, single. They're moving around the country. They're going to go see where they form a ministry, what kind of church is the best fit for them, how they can grow. Um, I just feel like it could be easier for them to do the four or five things than maybe a guy in his 30s that already has two kids and has a family that he also needs to – a younger person might not have to balance ministry, um, life and marriage slash parenthood. that kind of stuff. They don't have that same uh,
3: balance to have to kind of come up with, you know. Absolutely. Um, our, our youth uh, leaders just had twins. Mm-hmm. So I expect way less of them in this season as they're learning how to be parents and they've got two kids up in the middle of the night. Um, and I'm, I'm trying to help cover for them. I'm trying to help, uh, help support them. So there is an unreasonableness that can creep up in leadership, especially if you have a church where, uh, let's say, the lead pastor... Um, was bivocational or, or worked full time outside of the church in his, like you were talking about, his 20s. Uh, maybe he was newly married, maybe, maybe. He was but then they start expecting that same level of commitment from somebody who's 40 years old and has a full time job and has kids and coaches soccer. It's just unreasonable. And so I think you have to, you have to expect things. Um, people expect stuff from us, and I think it's reasonable to expect commitment from those who have committed but we also have to be realistic in in where what season of life they are in otherwise we're just setting people up to fail and we want to set people up to succeed that's good
1: i think is an interesting dynamic um in our the decade that we're in because there's actually um degrees in worship leading and there's there's all kinds of different degrees. You know, there's degrees in, in music directing now. Um, there, where before it used to be, you go to school for theology, and that's it. Mm. You know? but now there's there's degrees for you know, lighting, whatever. You know, like in a in a church context. So, um, you have these college students that are graduating with um, specific skills, um, and and they're looking to get to find a church where they're where they can fit in, you know. Whereas what Adam was talking about before is like, man, worship leader had to be the guy that did the 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 newsletter for the church and the Mm -hmm. guy that did the pro presenter and or the PowerPoint. PowerPoint (laughs) the guy that, you know, a lot of times worship leader was also the youth leader, you know, like it's worship leader and just encapsulated so many different positions before um so just times are changing um and it, i think there's there's good things with that and there's also bad things because you know sometimes you get you graduate and you're just ready to step into this position your dream position and it's like hmm it's maybe not um as available as you might thought you know and then next yeah. thing you know you're you're in um you know child care ministry yeah and that's not what you even studied for four years, you know. So um yeah, I think just every every church is different. Um and it's changing and um you know, it's it's interesting. I'm glad that we all got to kind of experience, you know, what it was like before that and not just be kind of stuck to the way it is now. Um where Ryan and I always talk about how we're kind of hybrids to the generations, you know. Um, but yeah, there's, there's some people I've talked to, and I feel sorry for them because they thought they did everything that they were supposed to do, and then they're released into the real world, and it's different. You know, it's kind of like starting from from scratch.
3: Yeah, but, uh, so but I, uh, Go ahead. No, I'm sorry. Yeah, I mean that just speaks to um, having some some foresight and some uh, intentionality about being on a growth track because if you if you graduate with your degree in in music and and you get hired as the young uh exciting new worship pastor at this church remember that you're replacing somebody who once was the young exciting worship pastor at that church and so you know if you have your degree in lighting i i would hope along the way you get your degree and uh, you get another a masters or something uh in or some kind of training in, in another area so that you have the ability to grow. Um, you know, Ryan is an example of this. You start off as a worship leader, worship pastor, now the creative arts pastor. You've got a growth track happening, mm-hmm. so you're not boxed into a role. Um, in my denomination, a lot of our churches are still transitioning out of uh, traditional choirs and 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 things. And I talked to one of our uh, worship pastors at a, at a church who's still the choir director, and they have the full ensemble, and, and he doesn't know how to do anything beyond that. And so he's trying to figure through what can my ministry look like if we're not doing that anymore. Yeah. So I think having that growth track, especially if you're kind of thinking, well, I'm going to get on staff and then the church will pay me to do this thing I want to do. Um, you need to stay employable.
0: Mm-hmm. That's a good thought. So moving to another topic, I got a message today from Dan. Shout out to Dan. Thanks for this question. Didn't even know we were recording a podcast today. Um, but he said to me, um, so this is relation to Shelter Cove, but there's going to be plenty. Shelter Cove is the church I serve at. Hi, I'm Ryan. Sorry. Gotta get context. Um, he says, I love how expressive your worship leaders are on the platform. Uh, what's your training method for helping them grow in this? Um, he's looking for help in his students area and trying to help them grow in stage presence without making it feel fake. And, um, man, my initial thought was like, wow, I always feel like, I always feel like there's something, there's room to grow for our team in that. Um, and so I, I, I don't know. I, I guess the, the, the best I can say the way we train it is by having uh, people on stage that bring it. Uh, largely our paid paid guys kind of move around a lot um, and not in a fake way, but I think we we're really intentional about recognizing that we're up there uh, for a reason. And so we bring energy to it. And, and I think that a lot of times brings people along with us.
2: Yeah, we, we definitely recognize as well, like, <coughs> sorry, we were just talking about worship leaders and how
3: in a small church, a worship leader might be the overall person charged charge of everything, and then sings a song, um, but we also coach that, you know, we have a responsibility to lead the congregation, even if you're
2: not, the say, the lead vocal on a song, um, and so, you lead with more than just your voice, you can lead with your with your body language. you can lead mm-hmm. with your stage presence. If people see you lifting your hands to God and singing out loud, they're more likely to to do the same right than if you were just to sit back and like i'm not I'm not singing the lead vocal on this song, so I'm going to wait till my song. You sure. still have a responsibility to lead when you're not the main vocal
1: mm-hmm. yeah i I think um that's a Actually a really good question I, um, You know we just did a conference In Germany this past week And I was um, doing the, Our keynote on the nine Expressions of worship And um, in Germany um, They're relatively New to the, um, the The modern style of worship But it's catching on like wildfire um, And so they're, they're Learning how to be expressive in a culture that's not very expressive. Mm. Um, and, and they were asking, uh, they just had a ton of questions, like how do I get my team, you know, and how to get my church to go to the next level or to get to participate more, or to be more energetic. And I, I was saying basically, number one, um, it's got to be based on scripture. Um, you know, so we were talking about um, the nine expressions of worship and specifically um Two things we were talking about Is um clapping and lifting hands And so I was showing them All the verses where it talks about Clapping and lifting your hands in worship And I think Unless your congregation understands That it's in scripture Then they will just think it's just something You want them to do Because yeah. it's your preference yeah. uh, And there's a big difference between the worship leader Wanting the congregation to do something Versus God wanting them to worship that way So Teaching your congregation um, or reading scriptures, if you say, hey, let's all lift our hands and our church is not a, a, a church that lifts hands, you have to say, "Okay, in the Bible here, it says lift your hands. You know, here's a verse, share it with them, maybe share a couple verses so they know it's 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 actually in there, you know, and then, you know, encourage them to do that. And then, you know, little by little years go by. You start teaching them different expressions and your church, um, can grow out of a place of complacency and, and go to new levels of worship. Um, but you can't just all of a sudden be like, Hey, next week, we're going to like lift our hands. We're going to clap. We're going to shout. We're going to do flags. We're going to do cartwheels. You know, like it's like you can't go from point A to point Z. You have to go A, B, C. So, so just work on one thing that you would like your church. To do, to work on, um, and you think your church might be—I um, wouldn't say comfortable with—but they would be accept the challenge to go to that next level um, and and share what the what the word says about it, um, yeah. and then just you know slowly move your church. Like don't just expect them to do things you know for no reason. A, a great technique to me. Um, <laughs> If you if you if your church is not a church that like sings and and lifts their lifts their hands when they worship, but you want them to lift their hands, um, maybe when the kids get called up to get prayed for, just ask the church to extend their hands and pray over the the kids, because a lot of times you know the the members will have no problem lifting their hands and praying over somebody, and and that will kind of get them used to the action of lifting their hands and as a, a form of worship. So. There's different ways to to kind of move your congregation in different directions, but um, it's got to be b- biblical.
2: I think as well, like that's a great a great piece is remembering to coach congregation scripturally, whether you're trying to get them to lift their hands the someone or you're introducing a new song and you want to point to scripture because it's not just a cool song I want to sing, but it's biblical. Um, to come back to, I think, Dan's question with the team, though, um, how do you get your team to have a stronger stage presence? Um, just a real practical thing that we do is we record ourselves and we watch it back. And a lot of times um, when you get coached in, in something, uh, specifically in sport, there's a phrase that uh, feel and, and real are different. Yeah, you might think you're doing something, but the reality is it's a lot less. And so you want to overemphasize movements now when you're playing golf is what I do. Like the more you emphasize something, the more real it is. And I think a lot of times on stage we can feel super out there. Oh no. We can, <laughs> we can feel super out there and we can feel like we're super energetic and we're moving a lot. And the reality is we haven't even moved our feet once. We're so rooted to the spot. And so I think for a lot of our new, new members of the team, it helps them to watch back and to see, Oh, I, I wanted to do X, but I was accomplishing Y. Um, And for them to actually see themselves do that. And we're we're blessed enough that we have a a broadcast system. We have multiple cameras and stuff, but reality is you could just set your phone up at the back of a room and video drone worship. And then as a team, watch it back and, and point out like, Hey, this was really good. Hey, we can work on this. And it's a great little piece of actionable, something you can try this weekend.
1: Yeah. I think um, a great, Kind of litmus for your stage presence is to watch the recording on mute. Yeah. And judge that. Like, can you, like, what does it look like when you can't hear what's going on? Because a lot of times it sounds um, like it has power and it sounds like everybody's into it. Well, you take away the music and you just look at people. It's like, wow, like everybody looks just dead on stage. Yeah. And um, I've got this. This post-it note on my wall, I've got like a ton of post-its, and I don't know who said this, um, but let me see. It says, I don't want anyone to ever see us lead worship and think to themselves, that guy looks bored. My posture and approach to leading should mirror what we are singing about. That's good. That's great.
4: Yeah, Chris, I think that that's – this is Fox. Hi, everybody. I think that that's <laughs> really good, and and something that I've always thought was – the more that, that, that you believe and pray what you're singing, the more authentic your stage presence is going to become. We can fake being excited about something, but everybody's going to see that. If you are honest and you are honestly praising God and shouting for joy and, and just fully surrendering who you are to the praise and the worship that you're giving to God, everything will flow better. You will be legitimately excited. You will be legitimately happy. You will be raising your hands without thinking about, oh, maybe I should raise my hands at this phrase. Uh, it's, it's just going to happen. Um, so I think that the heart, like you're saying, is a, is a big part of it. I think another part of it is preparation. If you are stumbling over your lyrics, if you're stumbling over your chords, if you are stumbling over um, your fills, whatever you're doing, uh, then you can't give complete attention to the act of worship um you're focusing more on the performance of worship at that point and not the act of worship um so the better prepared you are the more prepared you are um if you can you can you close your eyes and sing the lyrics uh and and worship in that way without having to focus on what's this next phrase what's this next word am i going to stumble on this how do I play a G7? Like all of those things are going to counteract what you're trying to do, which is lead worship and to worship in that way. So I think heart is one. I think preparation is another one. And I think if we can ourselves do better at both of those, um, then stage presence is just going to come naturally.
2: Yeah. The first church I worked at, that was a phrase that we kind of used most weeks. And it was the more prepared we become, well, the more we prepare, the more we allow the spirit to move. Because mm-hmm. if we're not prepared and we have to focus so much on just how everything goes, we get so locked into that, nothing else can happen. Um, but if you're prepared, you can
3: recognize what God might be doing in a, in a service. Yeah, The other thing, too, is to define, define what is good stage presence. Um, because, you know, I was watching videos of this last week of two different well-known churches that are actually fairly similar. And each worship band had very different stage presence, and both of it was good. So if you see something on YouTube that um, that you say, that's what I want for our stage presence, that's what I'm defining as good stage presence, you might be having a, a, a far narrower definition of what good stage presence is um, than, than you should. And you might have a definition that doesn't fit your church's theological or or practical framework. Um, I was hanging out with some conservative Presbyterians the other day, and um, the level of stage presence that I bring to my church might not be appropriate to their setting. And when I have a few times been uh, honored to help lead worship at Shelter Cove, and I have to elevate the amount of stage presence that I bring um relative to what I normally uh, am expected to do. So knowing having sort of the emotional or relational IQ to look around the room, to look around what's happening and saying what's appropriate for this moment, then your definition of good isn't something that's static and based off of one thing and and, and then you're trying to reach a standard that you're always feeling like you're failing at. Your definition of, of good stage presence becomes scalable to the moment and to the to the ministry that's happening in that room. And then, and then you're always winning. That's great.
1: Yeah, I found just playing at tons of different churches um, to have a conversation with the worship pastor um, before a service or before a uh, concert. Um, and just ask, like, what's what's the normal, like, amount of stage presence here at this church? And what can I do um, to, to maybe help push it a little bit? Mm-hmm. Without being a distraction, you know, um, even, you know, Ryan, we always talk about we joke about like wearing hats, you know, right. like, is is wearing a hat going to distract the congregation? So I always ask, like, does your church do hats? And if they say no, I'm like, fine, I'm not going to fight it, you know. Yeah. Um, but um, <laughs> I know the first time I played at your church, I thought I was supposed to not be energetic. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then remember, you. Some people said I looked like, um, like an evil guy just standing there because I, <laughs> right. I was wearing all black. <laughs> I remember the
2: first time I played at your church, and no one told me I wasn't allowed to wear a hat until like five minutes before the service, and I had to take it off.
1: <laughs> Honestly, I bet you they wouldn't have cared though. They loved you. Like, like they still to this day talk about how much energy you have. So that
4: I think I think that's really good, Chris uh, and Adam. What you guys were just talking about. I come from playing in a metal band, and so every time that I get to lead worship, I really have to scale it back and tone it down. Um, I remember I was leading worship with Chris one time, and like afterwards, took me aside. I was like, "Hey, man, don't do that." (laughs) (laughs) He was talking about the bad notes. (laughs) that could be, but what I was doing was distracting (laughs) how, how the energy in my emotions that I was providing was distracting and taking away from, from what was going on. So I think as musicians, we should be aware of that, be self-aware, um, know whether you are like me and you tend to overemphasize or the bottom end and you, the other end of that, not the bottom end, the other end of that, where are you just standing in one spot, not doing anything, know who you are as a worshiper and just allow yourself to, to surrender authentically yeah. and not to force or fake it because the people around you can tell and the people that you're trying to lead in worship can tell and mm-hmm. they will just disengage right away.
3: Now We have, I think in some ways, there's an assumption to the, the original question. Because the, the question says, how do I get good stage presence or, or a change to a level of stage presence that they, that they want? There's somebody out there who's hearing all this and saying, why does this matter? Yeah, and I, think, I think that would be a great thing if, if some of you guys want to chime in on that. Why does this matter? And why
0: does stage presence matter?
3: Yeah, I, I think <laughs> what you're
1: getting at is some people think of a stage, the word stage presence as a negative thing um and but i think what the person asking the question is asking is how can i get my worship leaders to be more authentic mm. where it's their what they're singing the lyrics they're singing um and their body language match um so you know i i encourage people to not get hung up on the word you know the phrase stage presence and and maybe think about it as authenticity like you know are are you are you worshiping the same way on a Sunday that you're on the platform as a Sunday you're off the platform or do you just stand there in the congregation when you're not leading but then when you get on stage you're leading and you're like bouncing off the walls you know that's that's not authentic so um yeah i think authenticity um and your your, your level of sincerity will just spill out into your your body language um, and if you want to call that stage presence that's fine um, but you know if that phrase catches you up then then just look at authenticity
2: yeah I think um, I'd like to think I think what Adam said earlier is really is really key and it's recognizing what appropriate is in, in your setting because it does change um, And I think – so the original – the OP, as it were, the original question from Dan was, hey, I watched – I'm thinking he watched Shadow Cove, and how do I get more like that? So I'd like to assume that he's seeing how our church operates, because I would say that our worship is – the way our our team is on stage is appropriate for our church. Um, I'd like to assume – that he's recognized that would be appropriate to his church. And he just wants some coachable ways to help his team get there. Um, if, but the first question does need to be is you need to analyze the setting you're in uh, the same with the same way that Adam's talking about and kind of see if that is appropriate. You know what, if you are more of a, like a Hillsong, young and free uh, church and the demographic is much heavier that way, then we're way too dead for you. Like you probably need more, but um On the flip side, if you are a traditional venue and you're leading much older songs with a much different demographic of people, then jumping around and all kinds of stuff like that probably isn't appropriate either. It's just going to be a distraction. Um, And I think the first piece comes first, is appropriate, and then you can look at how you can best coach your team.
3: I think sometimes, too, what happens is people hear guys in modern settings or contexts talking about stage presence and they associate it with everything that they don't like about what they would call performance based church sure. yeah. but you know who has fantastic stage presence is traditional Baptists, Gaithers uh, you know the big kind of um, yeah. Yeah, they're never successful <laughs> <laughs> they, they have fantastic stage presence um, some of the really traditional, full orchestrated uh, first, first Baptist or first uh, trumpets and string quartets, and, and they have fantastic stage presence from their singers and their musicians. But nobody complains because they, in their mind, associate that with not performance, right. but they associate what's happening maybe at Shelter Cove as performance. Yeah. So it's a preference creeps in. The other, the other thing too is. I know a worship leader who feels things more deeply than just about any person I've ever met, and they're also one of the most sedate people I've ever met. So on stage, I know that they are personally being wrecked by what's happening. Um, and 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 you hear people throw out that term, but he really means it. He is he is being wrecked by what's happening, and you would have no idea. He he's just sitting there, and and consequently, I would say he's not a good worship leader for a congregational setting because he hasn't learned how to convey what's happening inter- internally to, to be able to them. So stage presence matters in being effective in connecting with people.
2: Yeah. That's the piece we were talking about earlier on is the taking that internal feeling and putting it towards an external expression because you still have responsibility to the lead. Um, whether you're the lead vocal or not, And yep. we have many ways of doing that. Yeah, so that's probably as good
0: a place as any to wrap this uh, up. So let me add,
1: let me add one one thing.
0: Never mind. Oh,
2: Chris is gonna be a passer right here. <laughs> one more thing. <laughs> All right, <laughs> All right. <Close laughs> few minutes.
1: No, I just think that that the original um, the the question, the person asking the question, um, might want some some um, practical advice, things he can do, um, and I would say pick one thing. Um, and challenge your team to start doing that and work on it for like a month. So, if, if your one thing is my team never moves their feet, then, you know, take some gap tape, put it on the stage and be like, I want you to hit this spot. Here's your spot you stand in, and here's a spot over here, and I want you to hit that spot at least twice during worship tomorrow, you know, like little tiny things or like, all right, for, for next month, we're gonna work on clapping hands, and for maybe just the welcome song, we're gonna clap all the way through it. Every person in the team is gonna clap, and we're just gonna to agree to just kind of work on that, you know. So, so yeah. take small things, and 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 let it be natural, you know. Don't don't all of a sudden be like, hey, I know we never moved, but tomorrow we're gonna to jump off the subwoofers and when the pyro goes off, you know, like
4: mm-hmm. hey, this pyro. <laughs>
0: That's good stuff, practical tips. So, yeah, thanks for listening in, and we'll see you on the next episode. Bye.